welcome to Two Old Guys on the Back Porch. I am Steve Scotch, and we have the lovely and talented Cat. That's C-A-T, bearing the hatchet. Cat, what's going on? Hey, how y'all doing? We can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all your premier podcast platforms. We also can be found on Facebook and Instagram. Give us a follow. Our shout-outs today are going to be in the United States. Uh, one is Cocoa Beach, Florida. Cocoa Beach is a little town just south of Cape Canaveral Air Force and Air Force Station. Great getaway to the Kennedy Space Center. Our other town is Surprise, Arizona. Surprise is the home of the Southwest's largest tennis and racket complex, professionally designed golf courses. Also, it's um, where the Cactus League spring training goes on with the Kansas City Royals and Texas Rangers. And the city at one time was one square mile of farmland back in 1938. And one of the people who said why she called it surprise, according to Sadler's daughter, her mother commented she would be surprised if the town had ever mattered to much. So it's called Surprise, Arizona. Giving y'all a big round of applause. Surprise, surprise. All right, alcohol reigns supreme here on the back porch. You know, I tried to say no to bourbon, but it's 45% stronger than me. So I'm back on the bullet bourbon. To me, bullet is one of the best bourbons out there, and Jack Daniels and Jim Beam are two of the worst. Cat, what you got? I am trying to start the holiday season here with a little drink called Roses and Poinsettias using the new Empress Elderflower Rose Gin, cranberry juice, orange liqueur, and a little Prosecco. And, and as I hold up my glass, I want to give a big uh, toast to the Hallmark Channel bringing out such great holiday movies. Apparently it's winning the season so far. We couldn't even remember the name of that other channel that had apparently has some movies. So anyway. Oh, you got a fancy glass. It's all a shimmering red color. It looks like jello that's melted. <laughs> all right. Sounds sweet like you, babe. Thanks, doll. All right. Today... We're going to get a little lighthearted, a little sappy, a little emotional. And talk about the interaction we have with animals. Not just pets or domesticated buddies, but any animal, tame or wild. And what got Kat and I inspired on this topic was there was a story about a racehorse and a boy named Cody Dorman. And some of you know by now that me and Kat, we like to get down on horse racing a little bit. We'll put $2 on one. Last month, we had the Breeders' Cup, which took place at Santa Anita, which is a pretty cool racetrack in California. The, the Breeders' Cup, it's a Super Bowl of horse racing, takes place every year. The best horses in the United States and it, it attracts horses from Europe, Japan. Yeah, we had a lot of like Japanese said, it's, entries it's this year. A major, major throwdown. 
And there's this horse named Cody's Wish, who actually won his Breeders' Cup race, second Breeders' Cup race for Cody's Wish this year, for the Dormans, the family that owns the horse. Now, they have a son named Cody, whom obviously the, the horse was named after. Now, the Dorman's son was born with Wolf Hirschborn syndrome, which is a horrible genetic disorder, which pretty much stunts your growth, no muscle tone, limited brain activity, seizures, heart defects, just one of the worst disorders you can imagine. Now, the Dormans, they take their son Cody down to the stables where the horse Cody's Wish is stabled. Now, now picture the scene. There's this boy in a wheelchair, and this huge horse is standing in front of him, and the horse leans down and lays its head on the boy's lap. Okay. Now, the, the, the horse, he did it one time when he was young, when he was in training. And then later on, year or two down the road, the boy's down there in the wheelchair. The horse comes up and nudges his hand, okay? And, again, Cody's Wish won the Breeders' Cup dirt mile this year. And the, the race, the Dormans were flying back home to Kentucky. Their son had a medical emergency and was rushed to the hospital as soon as the plane hit the ground. Now, they just won the race. They're flying back home, and now their son's not going to make it. And they did everything they could, and their son Cody passed away. Now, back when he was born, they told the family that he, would, he wouldn't make it till the age of two, maybe. And Cody Dorman lived to be 17 years old. It's a heartbreaking story. And it's a story where humans and animals have this unique connection. Now, here's another unique story of animals and humans connecting. And this story makes no sense at all. Okay. I work in an office on the ground floor. The office is usually like an incubator in there. So it's, it's too hot for my liking. So I just started opening the window. Now, we got this small group of feral cats that have been hanging around the building for many years, many years before I got there. And it was a lovely lady named Carol who started feeding them. So she retires, I take over, whatever. And so I guess that's one of my jobs is to, is to feed the feral cats. So anyway, again, I noticed one of the cats kept jumping up in the windowsill. So my wife here, cat, a, a human cat, she gave yeah. me this, gave me this little, it was like a little bed, like, a, and, and I, I placed it just beside the window inside my office. Now the cat's a male and he, he started to come through the window and he would lay there on the comfy cat bed, especially when it was cold. And he was fine with it because I kept the window open 
And if things got noisy, people come in and out of the office, he could quickly get up and jump out. Now, after a while, Knuckles, that's the cat's name, we named him. Well, I was calling him Knucklehead, and so we just shortened it <laughs> to Knuckles. And now he's he's pretty much the office cat, isn't he? Pretty much, yeah. I he's, mean, he he's blown up on my Instagram. He owns the place. Now, this is a feral cat, okay? Remember that. And there's a whole pile of them out there. But this one, for some reason, and it was a step-by-step thing. He came in, he came out. Then he'd come a little closer. Then he'd kind of kind of rub on my leg. Then he'd walk down the hall. And he, he slowly, slowly kind of made himself at home. And my coworkers love him, okay? He sleeps in the office manager's chair, like, most of the day. The lady at the front desk, she has spoiled him rotten. I mean, she's it's like combing a feral cat with a comb. <laughs> I'm serious. Now, now it's, it's pretty wild. So, you know, that is a very pretty special human-animal interaction right there. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen anyone with a, what do you call it, emotional support dog? Yeah. Okay. Now, maybe walking through a store or something. Right. And Especially someone's a former, you know, a veteran that has emotional issues. They'll sometimes it, have them with them just for security. I want to tell you what a jerk I am. When, when I first heard about this or saw it and saw people to walk, I thought it was a little weird. I, I was, but but now when that feral cat started coming in my office and crashing there on the floor, I did feel this calming feeling. It, it was weird <laughs> coming over me. You know, it, it kind of opened my eyes to the emotional support dog. I get it. It was like if something was at work was kind of going to rile me up or take me off or whatever. I would just look down at Knuckles, who's just, he's just snoring. <laughs> a feral cat is snoring at, the, at my feet. And I'm like, oh, I'm good. This shit ain't so bad. Now, the emotional support dog, it's, it's not a service dog by definition. No. Because a service dog, they're like trained to do certain, like help blind people. They do a uh there's a Certain lot of tasks. different ones out there. There's one I heard the other day for a little girl who has uh, um, who has seizures and can kind of tell when the seizures are going yes, on. Yes, exactly. These emo- emotional support dogs, they're here for people with anxiety disorders, phobias, social disorders. Think about it. There's so many people on this planet who have stuff like circling around in their brain and and they can't stop it. And just having a laid back dog right there by their side can right. make it all go away. It's it you think about it, it's pretty awesome. See, you know, I, I think I have the reverse. I have the emotional support dog who needs me. <laughs> I can't leave the house. True. true. I, I can't we I love this dog, but he won't let me really leave the house without you. Or you. <laughs> I'm Either being watched us. right now. <laughs> and he's asleep. He's got eyes in the back of his head. Where's so he going? So he has to run errands with me to like the post office and go get groceries. You know, he just won't let me leave the house without him tagging along. 
Yeah, the, the, again, the human-animal relationship, it, it's a tricky one. It's funny how the family pet will sometimes take to one person in the house. Love everybody, right? But right. you can tell that the animal kind of will take to one person specifically. And it, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this story out. Just say you got a young female, has a dog, starts dating, brings a dude home, dog comes up, starts growling. Guess what? He's no longer dateable. She starts dating another guy. They come back to her place. Dog comes over, lays his head in the guy's lap. Guess what? Got to keep her. I mean, animals can tell. Animals they can tell, can tell who, who's the dodgy fucker and who is not. It's, it's freaking weird, but it's true. Again, never really been a real animal person. Until? But every you day. Someone else? But every day, this has been going on in my life for years now. When I get up, I have a dog laying in the family room positioned to where he's staring right at the bedroom door, waiting for me to to come out of that room so we can go for a walk. Okay. This is on the daily now. I get to work around seven. Um, I got, I would say six to eight feral cats, but now it's up to about 12. Waiting beside the office for me to feed them. I feed I walk the dog, feed the dog, now I'm feeding cats, and then I got two bird feeders I put out behind the office with birds back there chirping in my face. Where have you been, bitch, with the bird feeders? I can't leave them out there because it's raccoons and whatever. I come home, guess what? There's a dog sitting in front of the house waiting for me to come home, okay? I'm surrounded on all corners. I... Go out in the backyard. What do I do, babe? I put corn out for the critters. Right. I put the bird feeders out. I put un. This is this is how fucked up I am. I put unsalted peanuts on top of the bird feeders we have in the backyard to watch woodpeckers, nuthatches, cardinals come and, and get the peanuts. When I put the trail cameras out, I put corn other seeds out on the ground in front of the camera. I have doves, squirrels, raccoons, not making this up, deer, turkeys, foxes. I don't want to mention bear. Don't want to do it. Every once in a while, one trolls through here. And they're in front of my camera grubbing out. So basically every day, I have a lot of animals, domesticated or not, (laughs) waiting on on Steve Where the hell is he at? Where's Steve at? It's I don't know. Again, my life partner right here beside me, she's one of the one of the reasons I've turned, I will say. Again, not an animal person, but what I sorted out was just don't be afraid. That's the main thing. Animals domesticated or wild, they can sense fear. And I know it's easy to say, and tomorrow I could get attacked by a coyote. 
but it, it's easy. It's easy to say running the other way. But it's it's hard to do to not be scared if you haven't been around it. I've seen my dog chased by coyotes more than once. Um, I've been sitting in the woods and had foxes and coyotes come within twenty yards of me. Once you kind of get over the fear, you find out that animals. They're just creatures on this earth, just like we are. Again, the interaction between humans and animals, it's kind of magical. You know, if you get a chance, give it a try. All right, Kat, let's roll right into one tough son of a bitch. I'm sorry. This is one tough, awesome Awesome lady. lady. (laughs) Vera Wang. If you don't know who Vera Wang is, you've heard the name, right? 74 years young from New York City. Didn't know this. Very, very, Vera Wang tried to be a professional ice skater. Right. Trained with the best as a kid and a teenager, but failed to make the Olympic team and then entered the fashion world. Uh, known, what would you say, Kat, for her bridal collections? Correct. Um, did you wear a Vera Wang when we got No, married? but I have one. The Coles Vera Wang collection's quite nice. I have some pieces from that. Wow. Okay. She has boutiques in New York, London, Australia, Tokyo. You can find Vera Wang at David's Bridal. Right. How about that? Uh, and the Men's Warehouse. Cites her earliest fashion inspiration as her mother uh, spent... Later spent her college summers working for Yves Saint Laurent's store there in her hometown. Graduated after she graduated college, was hired by Vogue as a rover, and quickly worked her way up the ladder, becoming the one of the magazine's most the youngest one of the magazine's youngest ever um, fashion editors. Very smart lady. She got into uh, I think she sells everything now: jewelry, eyewear, shoes, right. and her brand is. Recognized with high quality. Oh, yeah. It's it's kind of been popular in the pop culture. Dresses showed up in the West Wing, the newsroom, Gossip Girl. Oh, not Sex in the City. Shocker. Shocker. Gwen Stefani likes to wear Vera Wang. She wore it when her and Blake Shelton got married. wonder if she's going to wear Vera Wang when they get divorced. All right, what about uh, in Brides Wars? Do you remember that one, Kate Hudson? Right. All right, so Kate was, it was some big line where the Vera Wang bridal dress wasn't fitting on Kate. She was like five pounds over or something. So one of her friends suggested, let's alter the dress. And Kate Hudson uttered these famous words, you don't alter a Vera Wang, you alter yourself. And that makes Vera Wang one tough awesome lady tell me we're not watching something yes we're watching something <laughs> and this was kind of an interesting docuseries that came out on netflix called the big vape the rise and fall of jewel uh and that's an interesting thing because jewel I, jewel you know like the vapor little thing oh i thought you talked about the singer no i didn't know she fell i didn't know she vaped um <laughs> Anyway, it started out, these two guys were, I guess, at Stanford, 
And they were coming up with this, trying to come up with, you know, it was back when Silicon Valley was trying to chase the next newest hot idea. And it was to try and to find another way to find smoking implements. It, it's interesting because, you know, finally they came up with the jewel. And once they did it, they just threw it at the uh, advertising guys. And so they wanted to advertise it like you would um, bubble gum, bubble gum, you know, <laughs> to uh, teenagers, Apple, Apple phones, or they wanted, you know, get the hottest, coolest, you know, like influencers using a vape, and right. this guy's using a vape, and let's get to have a vape party here. And it really kicked them in the ass because once they did that, who started doing it? Younger and younger people. Oh yeah. So, you know, we would be like, you know, there'd be a teacher in the back of a classroom, you know, vaping into, the, into their, into their uh, sleeve and stuff. And <laughs> it just, was real little. It was, little it was real little. So they would you sit and do it. this. Yeah. And then, you know, they, apparently they got in trouble because then people started having lung issues. First, it started out that the people had lung issues weren't really using the vape. They were using some THC oil with the vape. Hello. I'm buzzing. Buzzing. And then finally, some other people were having, kids were having, you know, lung issues in their 20s. Did Philip Morris Philip uh, Morris, Altria get into it? Finally, at the end, you know, they were trying to keep people from cigarettes, this, that, and the other. But who comes and buys them out? Big Tobacco, Philip Morris. Which was a big waste of money for them. Right. It was a big waste that of thing money for them. took a tank as soon as they got... Right. So, I mean, it's supposedly it's still out there. I guess you can find it at a vape store. I don't know. I, I'm not a vape person, so I don't know these things. I've got a, uh, I've got a vape. It's called the Fuse, F-U-S-E. Uh-huh. And it's, it's okay. Um, it doesn't taste too bad. It's long though. You can't. You can hide it if you want, but I I I, I use it. You didn't it sp- hide it in the casino. Well, I didn't get thrown out either. I didn't know the rules, <laughs> and so, but it, it's okay. I don't. I'm gonna confess right now. That vape thing. If I hit it all the time, and, and it's 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 a step to get off of cigarettes. Right. Okay. I don't, Which I'm, gonna, I'm happy that you're making. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna confess right now that I, I have smoked a cigarette or two today. Good lord. But, but but I went to that to try to get off, and I, and I, I'm not lying. I don't I don't know what what's going on. That thing seems worse to me. Okay. It's you're smoking a chemical. Let I Let's be you, real. I think you're. And that was the thing they found is you were getting a much more higher concentration of nicotine when you do it. Right. I mean, if I really hit that thing hard, it, it kind of chokes me. Right. And it, if, if I'm at the office, you know, where nobody smokes inside the building, it's like a little sneak a thing. If I do it over and over again, I can feel it in my fucking chest. Right. I can feel it. And I don't want to promote cigarettes over vaping. Both of them are bad. All of it's bad. I just tried it to see if I could get another step closer to doing nothing. And right now I'm on the fence. Like I said, I don't know that much about it because, see, it's going to tell down the road, right? 
once these young people, and maybe me, who've been vaping for years, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden, what? Lung cancer, Lung cancer. is going to start popping up. I'm, I hope it doesn't. I hope it doesn't. I mean, they valued it as a $38 billion business in 2018. That ain't no $38 billion business now. Yeah. I don't know. The young punks are into it. Uh, we hang out. I know this sounds a little weird. We hang out in a parking lot after <laughs> Fridays after we eat this awesome uh, Peruvian. Yeah, I think it's Peruvian chicken place. One of those fire chicken things. It's awesome. Canastas. Shout out to Canastas. If you got one, go to it. And then we'll just sit in the parking lot, stand out there and talk for a minute before we go back to work. And there's a vape, there's one of those tobacco places. places. Well, right. I don't want to call it vape. They got everything in there. Okay. And we've seen young punks try to go in there and get shit. You know, because you got to be of certain age, don't you? Right. And that was one of the problems that they had before was there were people who just really weren't checking IDs and just selling them right well, out. Well, I've seen some punks come out of there mad. And I've also seen... I mean, this is weird. Think about it. This is like a little juice and this little thing that you stick in a vape. Right. We've seen dudes go in there. It's like buying alcohol. Like the older kids will go in there and buy it and come out there and give it to the young punks sitting in the parking lot. Right. I mean, that's how weird it is. But Anyway, if you're interested, it's on Netflix. Check it out. All right. After that, I need a shot. The B-54 shot. Not the B-52s, who we love. The B-54 shot. This one is a little tricky. In your shot glass, add a half ounce. I'm sorry. Yeah, a half ounce of Kahlua, right? Yes. Then you got to layer in a half ounce of Amaretto. Right. Then over a spoon, layer in Bailey's Irish Cream. Cats made us a couple. This thing looks like mud in a glass. All right, you got Kahlua, Amaretta, and Bailey's. I'm going to say this is a shot when it's like, what, 10 degrees outside and there's a foot of snow on the ground. All right, let's do it. Cheers, baby. It smells like coffee. Um, It's coffee. That's a coffee shot. That's a coffee shot. Uh, That was nasty as hell. I don't know where See, the... See, I don't think so. I like coffee. You like that. I like the creamy coffee I, I can see drinks. where people who like coffee... Well, drink some of those tomorrow morning when you get up and tell me <laughs> how it goes. A little too sweet for me, but it was good. The B-54 shot. Give it a go. Thank you, Kat. All right, today we were bumpered in by a band that me and Kat love, Echo and the Bunnymen. Formed in 1978 from Liverpool, England. Ian McCulloch, Will Surgent, Les Patterson, and Pete Frias. Um, you know, in in the early 80s, when new wave or alternative actually meant something, Echo and the Bunny Men were pretty much at the top of the class, weren't they, Kat? Right, and they just were at the, what the dark waves. They just played Fest out there in Huntington and, Beach. Yeah, Callie does this thing called Darker Waves, which is a, has all these 80 bands there. And Echo was there. Actually, Ian kind of got railed because evidently his voice was not up to par. 
But we're not going to go there. We're going to talk about back in the day. Back in the day. They, they were a band when I first heard it. It was like I wanted to hear more. You know, and as I've said many times on this podcast, the bands from England have always been a little more creative, a little more depth, more interesting than we get here in the States. Um, I had the albums Crocodiles, Heaven Up Here, Porcupine, all great albums. And of course, as the years went on, like every other band, things kind of went sideways. But Echo and the Bunnymen, always a college radio darling, and then what yes, you call it? Yes, I would it, say so. Um, which doesn't always pay the bills, but they kept on going. Later albums still had good songs on them. Today we were bumpered in with Bring on the Dancing Horses, just uh, a killer song. Okay, The Killing Moon, he said, was a gift from God. One day, one morning, I just... Set bolt up in the bed with a line ahead, fade against your will through the thick and thin. He will wait until you give yourself to him. And he thought that there was just, it was just like a gift from God. The Killing Moon, another great song. There, I'm not going to list how many good songs they have. At one time, I was really pretty much obsessed with this band. I saw Echo and the Bunny Men like 30-some years ago. Another feather in my cap. Me and the wifey listened to First Wave on Sirius Radio, and Echo and the Bunny Men, they pop up on there every now and then. Ian McCulloch and Will Surgeon have continued to tour under the banner of Echo and the Bunny Men. Just great songs that will pretty much last forever. Check out Echo and the Bunny Men wherever you get your music. I want to thank everybody for hanging out on the back porch. We will see y'all down the road. See ya. Skin ball. Bring on the headless horses. Whatever they may want. Sit and say the words. Every lie you've heard. First time I'm going to make it. Then I'm gonna break it till it falls apart.